Well, good morning, church. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Valdir da Silva, pastor of the church here. But as I look across the crowd, there are many of you that I do know from childhood. <laughs> okay? And I remember doing some assemblies in schools and seeing you and seeing you in different uh, community festivities. And, and you know that you're approaching retirement age when the kids that you dedicated are dedicating their kids. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, it's great to be together, great to be worshiping the Lord together with you today. And um, it's a great day today. Listen, guys, every, every child that is born is a miracle, amen? Every child. It's a creation of God. It's a beautiful thing. But then you get some children which kind of, they are a miracle, but they needed some extra intervention from God for them to come about. And I think that's what you're celebrating today. It's making today a little bit of, you know, even a greater occasion. Because when the doctor tells you, hey, sorry, you ain't going to have kids. And you've got to swallow that and say, what? And then you've got to trust God. And then God comes through. That's what you're celebrating today, guys. Amen. But... You will hear the, the story later. You know, from ancient times, it has been the desire and privilege of parents to perform some sort of ceremony, some sort of ritual to celebrate the arrival of their children into the world and to ask God's blessing upon them. And that tradition continues to this day. When a child arrives, most parents, even those who are not very religious, they want to have some kind of a ceremony and, and celebrate that arrival and ask God's blessing upon their child or children. And uh, that is what's happening here today as well. The tradition carries on today within the um, Christian faith, whether it is a Protestant or Roman Catholic or Orthodox, there are different ways of uh, christening or blessing their children. In a large number of churches, including the charismatic and Pentecostal conviction like ours, we bless our children by dedicating them. Now, we have had a number of dedications in this church this year and over the years, and um, we'll probably have another one or two before before the end of the year. And usually I just spend a few minutes quickly giving a summary as to what we are doing, why we're doing it, and then we go ahead with the meeting. But over this year, we've had a number of families joining this church. And of course, today we've got a number of friends and family uh, visiting us with Zafrino and Jenny. And so I thought it'd be a, a, a appropriate to explain a bit more detail why we dedicate children. The Bible says that we need to be ready to explain why we believe what we believe. And so today I'm going to be talking about why dedication. In 1 Peter 3.15, 1 Peter 3.15, we read the following. Be in your, in your heart, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is a, a, a instruction to all of us. We must know what we believe and be able to tell others why we believe what we believe, why we have this hope, why we do what we do. Another translation says, always be ready to explain your faith. Too many people today, guys, listen, and this happens across the world. I've seen this in all church convictions and denominations and, 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 and types. Too many people, they go to church, they follow the rituals, but they cannot explain why they do it. When you ask them, they'll, they'll just say things like, oh, that's the way I was taught, that's the way my family did it, that's the way we've always done it. But they cannot say, listen, we do this because it is written in the Bible, this, 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 and that, and therefore we are doing this, this, and that. The Bible says, first of all, you see, that, that kind of, of reasoning is not quite good enough. 
You know, it's, it's, it's like, like the, you, know, you know the story of the girl with the roast. Every time she made the roast, she used to cut the ends off and then make the roast. And one day the husband asked her, but why, why are you doing this? Why are you cutting the roast? She says, well, my mom always used to cut it, so I cut it. She says, but yeah, but why are you doing it? Why are you cutting the I told you because my mom did it. But why did she do it? I don't know. She says, ask her. So he phones up to my mom. <laughs> I'm making a roast, I'm cutting the ends, and I'm, I'm doing it because you did it. Why did you do it, mom? Her mom said, well, my dear, I did it because your grandma did it. <laughs> really? Yeah. But why did grandma do it? I don't know. She did it and I do it. But why didn't grandma do it? She says, honey, you've got the number. Phone her. Find out. Okay. So she phones her grandma. She says, grandma, I'm making a roast and I'm cutting the ends off because my mom cut the ends off. But my mom says she cut the ends off because you cut the ends off. Grandma, why did you cut the ends of the roast off? He says, my dear, my oven was really small. I had to cut it off to fit in the oven. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you see, you've got to know why you do it. Otherwise, you keep on cutting the roast and missing some juicy bits, which you could have had because today you've got a big oven. And, and it comes to the same thing with spiritual things, guys. Sometimes we, we're missing out because we're doing it because, you know, we need to understand. Once you understand, everything you do becomes much more meaningful, much more richer. Doesn't matter which conviction you are. When you understand what you do and you have that biblical and spiritual foundation, then you can enjoy the full meaning of it and you can really enjoy your doing your, your spiritual life and so forth. And so it comes the same thing with, with this, okay? We are asked to explain what we do. So where does this whole thing of dedication uh, comes from? And uh, the, the, in terms of dedication, we, the, the very first kind of biblical mentioning of it is in first Samuel chapter 1 and verse 27. You know, some people say, yeah, you know, you, you believe what you believe, but you know, some people may interpret the Bible differently, and it's true. There are some things that we can interpret them differently, and that's all right. But I think it's most of the things in the Bible that have to do with life and faith, it's quite clear. And just by talking about it, we can make sense of what is going on. And so if you look at 1 Samuel 1.27, this is a prayer. Hannah, she was a godly woman, and she couldn't have kids, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and then one day God gave her a child. And when she, the child was born, she did this prayer. She said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he'll be given over to the Lord. You see, Hannah understood that that child came from God. And listen, every child comes from God. Whether you need an intervention like Jane and Zephyrino had and, and, and many others in this church have had testimonies of that kind of divine intervention. My own kids were a divine intervention. I was not supposed to have kids. And so my kids were a testimony to God's goodness. So every child is a miracle, but we need to understand that everything we have, whether it's our children, whether it's our life, our husbands, our wives, the very air that you breathe, it's a gift of God. You can never give something back to God or you can never give something to God that he has not given to you first. Because our very existence is a gift from God. And, and Hannah understood this. Instead of, of holding the child, it's my child, my child. She says, Lord, it is your child. And, 
As parents, we need to understand this. Our children are not really ours, are they? Those of you with grown-up kids know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. We have them for a season. And very quickly, too quickly, they grow up. Mark these words, Ziffies and Jenny. You got a little baby right now. Oh, it's going to take forever to go. We'll talk again in a couple of years' time. When he's coming on and says, Dad, where are those keys? Those keys. I need to take my girlfriend out. <laughs> time flies. Is that right? All the parents, that's right? Does time fly? Or is it just me? Yeah, I can see some heads nodding over there. Time flies, guys. And so, this lady, Anna, she, Hannah, she dedicated the child to God. Joseph and Mary did the same thing with Jesus. Did you know that? In Luke chapter 2.22, it says, When the days of the purification, according to the law of Moses, um, where is it? Yeah. Were completed, they brought him to Jesus. They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Jesus Christ, as a baby, in the arms of his parents, was brought to the temple and presented to God. And in both these scriptures, Hannah and, and, and Jesus, uh, we, we see that they, th- those parents entrusted their child completely to God. They acknowledged the child came from God, belonged to God, and formally declared so. It is one thing for us, you know, I tell my other friends, oh, my child's the Lord. But there's something about coming together in a meeting like this with friends and family in the church and formally saying, God, I acknowledge this child came from you. And we dedicate him to you. He's yours, Lord. We're going to look after it. We're going to do the best we can. But this child is yours. It's a powerful act to do that and to invoke God's blessing upon the child. During the ministry of Jesus, many parents brought their children to Jesus to be blessed. In fact, familiar passage is Matthew chapter 19, where it says that the parents brought their children to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Listen carefully over here. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Look what's happening over here. The parents are bringing their children to Jesus. They've realized that Jesus is more than an ordinary rabbi. He's doing amazing things. And so they they are bringing, they're acknowledging there's something special about Jesus. I don't know if at that point they had realized that he's the son of God. But the fact is they knew this is a special man of God. Let's bring the children to him for him to bless them. The disciples, if you had the growth apostles, the big men of God, they say, no, 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 no kids, no kids. We, this is big people ministry. We've got to teach the word. We've got to do something with the big people. Kids, go, 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 go. And Jesus says, hey, 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 boys, stop it. Huh? Who says, I'm here just for the big ones? I love kids. Let them come to me. Jesus stopped the service, stopped everything and says, kids, Come, let me pray for you. Come here, come around here. And you know, I don't think Jesus was the kind of guy that went around looking very serious. You know, <laughs> scary guy. No, I think he was a laid back, friendly guy. You know why I know this? Because kids love Jesus. Kids like to go to Jesus. I've never seen a child go to someone who's angry and looks fierce and threatening. Kids normally run to people who are friendly, who are embracing. And so they ran to Jesus. And Jesus prayed for them. Jesus blessed them. 
And the grown-ups had more to wait, okay? Because now it's key time. It says, kids belong to the kingdom of God. Listen, all children, that age of innocence, all kids belong to the kingdom of God. They're all his. And it is sad to see that sometimes men of God, like the disciples, they hinder kids from coming to Jesus. We need to make room for them. I remember the first time I went to Angola, I was with Luke, a friend of mine. We were going to do some, some singing. We had a meeting for all the church leaders in the afternoon. And uh, so the, the church there opens up onto the street. And uh, so Luke and I, we had our guitars there. We were just tuning up and doing, you know, preparing for the meeting, going over some songs. And of course, the kids, in that, that place got so many kids. The kids heard the guitars and they started streaming into the church. And the pastor started getting worried, and, and, and the leaders, because we're about to have a meeting now with the leaders of the church, and these kids are coming in. And, and the pastor's getting worried, and said, but don't worry, let the kids come in. Kids, call your friends. And they did. And just now we're a church full of kids. And look at now, we picked up our guitars, we did some songs, and some kiddies' songs, and we ministered to them, and we prayed for them for about half an hour, 40 minutes, I don't know, it was quite an extended time. We had a great time with the kids. And they laughed and they smiled and they enjoyed and they received prayer and they were blessed. And then off they went to the streets again to play whatever they play. And we carried on with the big people meeting. You see, we need to, as church, as individuals, as people to understand that Jesus loves children. Never hinder children. You know what I've heard more than once? Husband and wife. He belongs to one church denomination. She belongs to another. Now they have a baby. And so they go to his church and the pastor, priest, reverend there says, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't christen your child because your wife doesn't belong to this denomination. Okay, so he goes to the wife's church. And the reverend over there says, I'm sorry, I can't christen your child because your husband doesn't belong to this denomination. Huh? These are supposed to be men of God. What are they doing? They're hindering those kids from coming to Jesus. It's a shame. That's why in this church, I don't care who the parents are. If they come and say, can you bless my kids? Bring them, I don't care. Okay, as long as you want to bless children, Jesus is always ready to bless the children. And as a pastor, I'm ready to bless them too. Don't care who you are as a parent. Amen. Children are to be blessed, are to be welcomed, are to be moved closer to Jesus. Sometimes it is parents who keep their children away from Jesus. Kids are so open to the things of God. Kids are, are open to the gospel, to singing, to worshiping, to doing. And sometimes the parents will not do that. Will not pray with them. Will not read the Bible with them. Will not bring them to church. Guys, you need to take care. Because it is our responsibility as parents to bring the kids to the Lord. Like we've heard in these examples. Like you saw Mary and Joseph doing. And like you saw Jesus instructing his disciples to get out of the way. So the parents can bring their children to him. Parents that dedicate their kids, they realize two things. Number one, they realize that children are a gift of God. And number two, they realize that it's the parent's responsibility to raise a child up in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 127.3 says the following. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children are a gift of God. Thank you, my dear. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're remembering those nights you were up all night. <sighs> oh, God, I thought you loved me. Is this the gift you give me? 
keeping me up all night. Oh, come on. I thought you loved me. It's, what kind of present is this? It's like those people that, you know, they'll, they'll come to you and they give your child a gift. They give your child a gift of those little shoes with the squeakers at the bottom. Quack, 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 quack. And then your kids are walking the house all day. Quack, 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 quack. And you want to go and strangle the person that gave this. <laughs> And some do think, God, I thought you loved me. You give me this baby, but you won't stop crying. It's a gift from God. Set us some beautiful bonding time, okay? And relax. Kids will grow up. Kids grow up too quickly. So enjoy the moment. Kids are a gift. There's, there's so much meaning and joy. They are a blessing from God. However, they come with a responsibility. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up your child. Who trains up the child? You train up your child. We live in the days of, you know, packing things away. We send kids to school. We send kids to church. We send kids to this. We send kids to that. So that we can have more time to play your TV games and whatever it is in Facebook and blah, 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 blah. Guys, it is our responsibility as parents to train our children. It starts here. You cannot delegate the responsibility of education and training. Train, tell and show, model for the child the ways of the Lord. Yes, teach everything about life and so forth, but make sure that above all, you teach your child the ways of the Lord. And it says they teach the way he should go. Not the way he wants to go. Because we live in a broken and a fallen world. And all of us, including our children, have a tendency towards sin. Towards what's wrong. I remember even my kids. Pastor's kids. And you have to leave them alone. They'd whack each other and they grab each other's toys. The seed of sin is in all of us, man. And if you leave a kid alone to his own ways, he's going to tend towards sin. And so we don't teach them the way he would go or he wants to go. No, you teach them the way he should go. The world today is preaching a different gospel to the parents. You say, you know what? You can't force your kids. You got to let them be who they are. You can't tell them what to do. You can't tell them what to be. Allow them to express themselves. Give them freedom. Really? And look what's happening to society. And in 50 years, 100 years, you're going to see it's getting even worse. Because if you don't teach a child the way he should go, he's going to go the way he wants to go. And what the devil is doing, he's stealing our kids. By all these laws and, and all these, the, the, this, this mentality, this way of thinking of the world, he's stealing our kids. You take responsibility of your child. You get involved in your child's school. You make sure you find out what they teach in your kids. They try now to bring some, some sex education syllabus now into the schools. where Even little kids are, are being taught all sorts of horrible sexual practices. In Brazil, they had to stop. One of the big fiascos of the last political campaign was because they wanted to bring these books with horrible images to children, six, seven, eight years old, teaching them about sex, but in a perverted way. And the government had to stop that. It comes from the UN. They're trying to push this into all the countries that belong to the UN. So be aware, guys. And they want to bring it in South Africa as well. But they do it very quietly. 
You don't know about it. Next thing you know, your, your kid's going to come home with this book with all the so-called sex education. You get involved and you teach your child what truth is. Don't let schools do it. Don't let the public system do it. Don't let the world do it. You do it according to the word of God. You sit down with your Bible. You sit down with your kid and you teach them the right way. Teach him who he is. Teach him about God. Teach him about the fact that he, he, he doesn't come from an, an, an explosion of chemicals or a lineage of animals. He comes from God. He's got an identity. He was created in the image and likeness of God. He's got a future. He's got a purpose. He's not an accident. Amen. And it's our responsibility. Not just our responsibility, God. Listen, it's our privilege as parents to take that child, that clean book, that, that clean piece of paper, and imprint on it the prince of God, the prince of the word of God. And help him to get closer and closer to Jesus. Wow. Train up a child in the way he should go. The writings of Moses, which are found in um, Deuteronomy 6, describe God's plan for how a parent should raise a child. And this is, this is ancient writing. goes back millennium. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to, to 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your strength. And these words which I command you today, which is the word of God, the principles of the word of God. These words I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It carries on. You shall bind them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as friendlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying? He's saying your whole life should be flooded with the principles of the word of God. Talk about it to your kids. Teach them to love the Lord. Teach them the ways of the Lord. Put your children in places like the church where they can be exposed to the things of Jesus. Let it come from the home to everything you do. It is our privilege to do that. And one key step in marking your desire to nurture your child in the ways of God is to dedicate him or her to God publicly through a child dedication ceremony. Now, a question which many people coming from more traditional churches ask is this. Why dedication? Why not baptism? It's a good question, I think. And it's simply this, that we believe that baptism is for those who believe. You must understand the word of God, you know, in the times of the book of Acts, you don't find the children being baptized. Then later, the church developed a whole bunch of rituals. They went into dark ages where the Bible was practically unknown. People had no access to the Bible. And then with the Reformation, the translation of the Word of God, we began to rediscover, and over the last 500 years, we've been rediscovering truths from the Word of God. And we continue getting closer and closer. The church, which was once very divided, today is beginning to be more united. We are finding amongst the different denominations and church groups, we are finding more things which unite us than things that divide us. By studying the Word of God, by understanding the Word of God, we are realizing that there are some of the rituals and things that we do which can be adapted. We can change them. We can get them closer to what the Word of God says. And that's our desire to get as close to the Word of God as possible, to understand the clear meaning of the Word of God. 
in Mark 6, 16, we read the following. This is the command of uh, Jesus. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Notice two things there. First of all, he says, he who believes and is baptized. Notice believing comes before baptism. Who believes and is baptized will be saved. But notice the second half of the verse is, but he who does not believe will be condemned. There's a word missing over there. Baptism. Why? Because salvation doesn't come by baptism. Salvation comes by believing. Did you hear that? You see, some people, they go through the christening ritual, be it dedication or baptism, because they think, oh, if my child is not baptized and he dies, he's going to go to hell. No, that's not true. Jesus said, children belong to the kingdom of heaven. And number two, baptism does not save anybody. You get baptized because you're saved. You get baptized because you believe. You don't get baptized to believe. You don't get baptized to be saved, but you get baptized because you believe. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe, doesn't say he doesn't believe and is not baptized. If you believe, you will be saved, even if you didn't get a chance to get baptized. How do I know this? The man on the cross. He's sitting over there. He's always hanging over there, not sitting. He's hanging over there. And he says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Remember me when you get to your kingdom. And Jesus answered, sorry, sir, too late, man. You can't get baptized. You can't go to heaven. Sorry. What did Jesus say? Today. You will be with me in paradise. Dude, you're about to die, okay? And me too. But today you're going to be with me in paradise. Amen? Because the man believed. What is salvation all about? Not rituals. Not systems. Simply believe. Now, once you believe, you take steps of obedience. Baptism is a step of obedience. It's a step of dedication. It's a step of identification with Jesus. Amen? Now listen to what I'm saying. Dedication, commitment, identification, obedience. None of those words little Milano understands. They mean nothing to a baby. Because babies can't do that kind of stuff. They are innocent. They belong to God. Baptism is for those who can obey who can make a dedication, who can make a commitment to God, who can identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Believe and be baptized. And then Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, them whom? The disciples, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So first you make disciples. You give them the message. And when they accept the message and they decide to follow Jesus, then you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that is why in our churches we do not baptize children. We believe we need to understand and follow the clear guidance of Scripture. First you become a disciple and then you get baptized. That was the example of Jesus. Remember we read just now when he was a child, he was what? Dedicated. And then as an adult, at 30 years old, he came to be baptized. And John even said, but sir, you need to baptize me. Why am I baptizing you? He says, John, just do it to fulfill all righteousness. Do it because it's the right thing to do. We're setting up an example over here. Just, just baptize me, okay? And then let's face it. You and I don't need to be baptized to be saved. We've just heard so. 
Faith is what saves us. So why do we get baptized? Same thing, to fulfill what is right, to do what is right, to follow the example of Jesus, to identify with him in death, burial, resurrection, to declare publicly our faith in him. It's an external expression of something which has happened inside. So he was baptized as a man. The decision to be baptized is a personal choice. We are to teach and train our children in the ways of the Lord. However, it remains their decision. When they grow up to become, and when they become accountable, they're going to decide, am I going to follow my parents' faith or not? And very much depends on what we are doing. If they see that our faith is working for us, they're going to say, hey, I like this. I think I'm going to do that. I was baptized as a baby, you know, as a child. And in that baptism, my parents did these things. They, 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 they took the responsibility of training me. They must have done something right because I'm still in church. But you see, what happened is as I grew up, I realized I cannot live my life in their faith. There came a moment I had to be, begin, I, I started asking questions. What is wrong? What am I doing? What am I doing in church? Why do I believe this? And then I came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. No one else, no other faith, no other writing. There's nothing else in this world which compares to the life of Jesus. One man. Over 300 prophecies fulfilled in the life of one man. What are the odds of that? Those of you who maybe are familiar with gambling, you try and work out. 300 prophecies in one lifetime. That's got to be divine, man. And furthermore, who goes around saying that he is God? Unless he's crazy. So Jesus was either a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he was who he said he was. And the fact is, because Everything he said was going to happen, happened. They killed him. They buried him. <laughs> but to top it all, he said, on the third day, I'm going to come back. I'm going to live again. And Vratis, on the third day, he's alive. And he's showing himself to people. At one stage, 500 people at once. So that was not a little, you know, laser show or anything like that. It was Drew. He was there with the guys. And you begin to see his work in his life. I began to look at my own life. What God has done in my life, as a baby, I had polio. God healed me of that. At 13 years old, I had meningitis to the highest degree. Doctor said, this boy is going to die. If he doesn't die, he's going to be affected mentally. Well, my friends reckon the doctors got it partly right. <laughs> I began to say, my life is a miracle too. And if you stop and look at your life, look at how many times God has saved you for you to be sitting here today. What has gone, how many times is he intervening in your life that you can be sitting at today in this church breathing? Jesus is real. He is Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I made my decision. Thanks, mom and dad, for teaching me. From now on, I'm going to do it on my own. And I made that commitment. And I'm still following Jesus. And I, I trust that every one of you today will do that will reconsider and make sure that you know that Jesus is your Lord and you follow him. So what is education? It is parents recognizing the child is a gift from God. This gift is entrusted to us for a very short time. They quickly grow and take responsibility for their lives. So it is fitting that like the parents of old, we acknowledge this gift and dedicate this gift back to God. All our gifts to God, no matter what they are, were first God's gifts to us. Number two, it is parents dedicating their child to God, understanding they are stewards for a while of this life. 
As much as they love, as much as they hold on to it, as much as you hold on to our children, it is only for a season. We are stewards for a season. Number three, it is parents requiring guidance from the Lord to bring their child up. As parents realize this, that they've got to bring the child up, they seek the wisdom and guidance from the father to be wise stewards. These days, I'm not sure who needs more prayer, the kids or the parents. And so we kind of pray for both, okay? And we help, trust God to help both of them. And then, of course, number four, the congregation, the friends, the family, the church, witnessing this event, rejoicing with the parents, and joining in prayer, both for the child and for the parents. Folks, a baby dedication is a good time for parents to take stock of their own lives. It is a good time to make a dedication or rededication of their lives to God. Either for salvation or for guidance so that their lives can be for God's use. This does not apply only to the dedicating parents, but to every parent in their house. It's good for us to take stock. How am I doing? Am I aligning my life with God? And if not, take time today just to pray and recommit that you continue to serve the Lord. I hope this message on why we dedicate our children has been enlightening to you. No matter what your Christian background is, I hope you've been encouraged to take a greater active role in training up your child in the ways of the Lord. Please do not leave it to chance. As a parent, you are the one responsible and accountable to God for training up your child in his ways. I want to plead with every parent here today particularly those with children still, no matter your Christian tradition, don't let the blessing of your child be simply a ritual that you perform. Follow through. Be connected to Jesus. Be connected to a local church. Live by biblical standards and bring your child up in the ways of the Lord. Amen. For those who are young and single still, the sooner you start following the Lord, the easier it will be to do these things one day if you get married and have children. So don't, don't wait to commit your life to God when you're older and you've got kids. Do it now. Do it today. It makes a difference. The younger we are, the more we can enjoy the things of God. I pray that the blessing of the Lord may be upon each family and each individual that is here this morning or that is listening to this message via this recording. If you'd like to hear this message again or refer it to a friend, you're welcome to go to our website, awakenlife.co.za, and you'll find this message there and other um, instructive and encouraging messages that you can hear. Can I call you come forward? Thank you. Okay, first let me try and compose myself. Um, the song gets to me every time. Um, good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, family, friends. Thank you all for being here today. Um, it's a privilege. Yeah, so thank you very much. Um, we're here on this very special day to dedicate our precious miracle, Milano. Okay, so um, as some of you know, um, Zephyrino and I have been trying for a baby since about December 2015. So we had been trying for a very long time. And um, after seeing many doctors and specialists, gynecologists, it was concluded between the two of us that we had 1% of 
a 1% chance of ever falling pregnant. And um, among some of our battles, um, we had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is already a massive challenge. Stage four endometriosis um, and in insulin resistance. We had a couple of challenges ahead and um, so it was virtually impossible. And, uh, but apart from that, the doctors said, if you do ever fall pregnant, you're not gonna carry to term. You, um, you're gonna have a difficult pregnancy. You're probably not gonna carry to term. I carried, carried, I carried him to term. It, it was obviously, not, it was stressful. I think every pregnancy is stressful. You know, you want the baby to be healthy, you want everything to go well. But I can honestly say it was an easy pregnancy. It really, really was. I hardly had any pain. He was a healthy baby, growing well. It, it just, it was such a beautiful and wonderful pregnancy. Um, so, now before we fell pregnant, um, the doctor, you know, it was advised that we go for IVF. And um, with IVF, you know, we, we said, okay, well, it's our last shot at ever falling pregnant. Let's try. In the meantime, you know, we had uh, met with a really good specialist and we made an our appointment for June, June, July. And then we actually had a couple of problems with our medical aid and then our medical aid, you know, in the end, we thought we were paying for proper medical aid. We we're actually paying for a hospital plan. After three years, it was quite a big amount. They said, no, sorry, you cannot go for this consultation unless you pay cash. So, uh, you know, cash in this large amount. And Zephyrina and I said, you know what, it's, it's not fair. And I just feel that we should actually change medical aid. Let's just trust in God. So, uh, we went on to a new medical aid the next month. And um, it was the 1st of July, and I made the appointment. Now, this specialist is so, she's really in high demand. I canceled that appointment, and then, you know, I could only see her in October. So we had to wait all the way until October. And uh, then on, just before the 1st of, first of October, um, I started feeling a couple of strange things in my body and I still said, is this possible? The doctor said, you've only got 1%. So I said, really? One in but I don't wanna, I've spent so much money on pregnancy tests as is. Should we really do it? What if I break my heart again? So then uh, we said, you know what? Let's just go for the cheapest pregnancy tests ever. Just go for the cheap ones, it's fine. Went for the first pregnancy test and it was a faint line, faint pink line, and I started screaming in the bathroom. I said, Ziv, come look, Ziv, come look, look. Can you see what I see? He says, yes, I see a line, I see it's a pink line. And then I said, no, 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 let's just do another test. Again, pink line. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was amazing, but we thought, hold on, our appointment is for the 3rd of October, and let's just rather wait. Let's just confirm that it is, in fact, a pregnancy and everything's okay. We went to the IVF specialist, and the IVF specialist confirmed. 
you don't need to go for IVF. You are actually pregnant. With all your difficulties, you are pregnant. So, so we decided, okay, well, she is very good. She's a good specialist. She's experienced in difficult pregnancies. Let's just stay with her. So we stayed with her, and it was a really good experience. And uh, nine months passed by, and really it was a wonderful pregnancy, and we're so grateful to God. We had minimal issues, and yeah, nine months later, this beautiful baby was born on the 13th of May. And, um, you know, it was just such a blessing. And in fact, when we chose Milanu's name, it's actually quite an interesting how it, how it happened. So with, when we chose the name Milano, we, we thought, oh, it's such a beautiful name. It sounds like a soccer player's name. We like it, you know. And we all know how Zephyrina loves soccer. He's crazy about soccer. So we thought, okay, it's a nice name. Let's go for Milano. Then uh, a few weeks later, I decided to do a bit more research. And I actually came across a website um, that said, actually, the name Milano in the Czech language, means grace and favor. And this beautiful baby boy really is our grace and favor. So for those of you that are experiencing anything similar to this, you know, any difficulties, for those of you that are trying to fall pregnant, we would just like to say to you, trust God. Amen. Have faith. Every, put your faith to God. Every single bit of faith you've got, put it to God. It might not happen now, but wait. Be patient. He is working in your life. He is our living miracle. Here he is. Here's our 1%. Here he is. So... We are eternally grateful to God for our precious miracle. And uh, for in the, those of you going through difficult moments, trying to fall pregnant, seek God. Trust God. God is not blind to your tears. He is not deaf to your prayers. He is there for you. Be patient and trust in Him. Now, before we end off, we would just like to share two verses with you that are very special to us. Number one, it is, uh, for this child I have prayed, and he has granted the desires of our heart. One, Samuel 1, 27. Then the second verse is, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can see it in this mountain and you're going to see it. So this mountain will move if you just trust. If you tell the mountain, move from here to here, it will move. Amen. Nothing is impossible. Now, if you'd like to have a look, it's in Matthew 17, 20. Nothing is impossible. Amen. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Wow. Amen. Well, guys, let's bring us to the end of the proceeding this morning. Can we stand up for the blessing and then uh, enjoy some fellowship, some nice coffee outside? And uh, 
get to meet maybe some old friends, chat some old friends and make some new ones. Thank you for coming and uh, we'll see you, those of you that want to be here Thursday night, prayer meeting, healing service, or any kind of situation that's attention in your life, we'll be here to pray for you. Amen. So Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the manifestation of your power. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us, every individual, every family represented this morning, Lord. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and a blessed week.